Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're joining us online, thank you for doing that as well. We are glad that you have tuned in. My name is Jay. If you're new here, I'm the director of worship, and uh, we begin every Sunday morning with a what we call a call to worship, a reminder of why we're gathering together. What is it that we, what reason do we have to sing to Jesus this morning and to hear from his word? So would you stand with us? We're going to hear a call to worship from Psalm 100. Listen to this. This is Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. 
O God, our guide and guardian, you have led us apart from the busy world into the quiet of your house. Would you grant us grace to worship you in both spirit and in truth, to the comfort of our souls, to the building up of every good purpose and holy desire. God, please enable us to do more perfectly the work to which you have called us, that we may not fear the coming of night, when we shall surrender into your hands the tasks which you have committed to us. So may we worship you, not with our lips only at this hour, but in word and deed all the days of our lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let's sing together. Declare his praise. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is. sins of this world his blood breaks the chains every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb every knee will bow before him let's open up the gates make way before the King of Kings, the God who comes to save has come to set the captives free. Whoa, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah.
Sing this together. My worth is not in what I owe, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no my soul is satisfied in Him alone. Summer flies, we fade and die. In youth and beauty, we die. But life eternal calls to Oh, 
He is jealous. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he 
redemption by the grace in his eyes if grace is an ocean we're all sinking yeah so heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest and i don't have time to maintain these regrets when i think about the way that he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves yeah he loves us Good morning. Welcome to City Church. My name is Chipper. I'm one of the pastors here. We are a church aspiring to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. Welcome to Gainesville, especially to those of you who are new, who are just getting to Gainesville. Maybe you're coming back to Gainesville. You're really going to love it. We're going to talk about that later, actually. Gainesville's a pretty great spot, um, and I look forward to worshiping with you and growing in Christ together throughout this fall academic semester. I would love to get to know you. We can do that a few ways. Come find me after the service. Come say hello. I would love to greet you personally. Uh, you can also fill out a connection card. We put these connection cards in every bulletin. So when you get a bulletin, when you walk in the morning, put your name on it, or you can make it anonymous. More importantly, put a prayer request on there. Put it in the seat pocket in front of you. We pick those up after the service. We pray like crazy for you. Seriously, we pray for you during the week, during our staff meeting. So please take advantage of this. This is one of the best ways that we can minister to you, honestly, in the body of Christ is by being in steadfast prayer. So consider filling that out, uh, seat pocket in front of you. Um, the other thing that I'll mention is to, uh, next Sunday, after each service, we're going to have kind of a get-to-know-you coffee. Um, so if you're able to spend 10, 15 minutes after next Sunday's service, you can grab some coffee, grab some pastries. We're going to be meeting kind of catty corner across the street from here at the white tents that you see across from Lucy's. So we'll have staff there, some people from our church. That's an opportunity for you to come greet some people, get to know us, hopefully get connected in the life of our church. We worship a generous God. Part of our responsive worship as the people of God is giving generously. You can always give online, citychurchgmv.com slash give, or uh, there's a brown box in the back of the sanctuary that's always available as well. 
The backbone of the community life of our church is really our community groups. These are small groups of people that meet every single week in people's homes. We eat together, we pray together, we study God's word together, we serve each other together, we serve our city together, we do a lot of things together as the people of God. So indicate interest on your connection card. There's also going to be some hospitality volunteers at that table in the back. They can help you get oriented, figure out when these groups, they meet on all kinds of nights in different places uh, in our city. And they are always open. Our groups are never closed, so you can always join up. And then whenever a group gets really large, if it gets large, we, we multiply it into another group. So you don't have to worry about that. You are always welcome at all of these groups. We have nine of them in the life of our church. So please consider getting more info. Again, chat with me after the service. Come next week to one of our Taste and See gatherings, and we'll go ahead and get you all situated. It'll be fantastic. In addition to our community groups, we have a number of adult education opportunities coming up this fall, more than normal. This is an emphasis this year in our church. Uh, number one, for the first time ever, we have kind of a formal youth, I don't want to call it a program, mentorship um, that is launching, I believe in two weeks, two Tuesdays from now. Is that right, Jay? Or did it already launch? It launched this week. It launched this week. Thank you. You did meet this week, and then you're going to meet again in a couple weeks. So that's an opportunity that's on Tuesday evenings here, six o'clock. Um, also, we have a women's study in the book of Joshua, and you can actually participate in two ways. You can come on Monday evenings, uh, starting on September 13th, on Zoom. So that's 8 o'clock Zoom, Mondays, 8 o'clock Zoom, yep, got that right, starting in a few weeks, and then that'll be basically to the end of the academic semester. So that's the way that you can be engaged with that study, online, Monday nights, 8 o'clock, or we're doing an in-person option on Tuesday mornings. Uh, so starting September 14th, there will be child care, so you can come to the church on Tuesday morning. So Monday night, Zoom, or you can do in-person uh, Tuesday mornings. If you want more information about that, put something on your connection card. Check your bulletin. Bulletin has a lot of great information. Uh, and then there's a monthly bulletin in the back that has even more information as well. And then we are doing a class, adult education class, that also starts actually on September 13th. That will be at 7 p.m. in here. Uh, so September 13th, busy night. You can either do the Zoom, Joshua study, 8 o'clock, women, or the whole church is invited starting on the 13th to come out to the sanctuary, 7 o'clock. We're doing a, an eight-week class called a Biblical Theology of Marriage. And so we're basically talking about, okay, what is biblical theology? Why is that important? A lot of people are not even familiar with that term. But we're going to trace the theme of marriage and the implications in the life of our church and in a culture from Genesis to Revelation. It's going to, be a, it's going to really be something. We're putting a ton of effort into this. You can read more about it on our website and then on Realm, which is our intranet that you can get plugged into in the back as well. But that's an option for you. So consider coming out to that. And then finally, starting tomorrow night, we are doing a full week of prayer and fasting as a church family. So starting tomorrow evening, full week, prayer and fasting, 23rd through the 27th, every night, 5.30, at the White Tents, again, catty corner across the street from our church. I hope that we will see you there. We will pray probably 35, 40 minutes. Uh, let's just say 35, so you'll come, not 40. Um, so every single night, 23rd through the 27th, we believe that if we want to see God work in power, especially given the kind of fraughtness of our national and global environment, we've got to be praying. We've got to be fasting. Uh, so that'll start tomorrow night and then continue each night, Lord willing. White tents, if it's raining, we'll come in here, but otherwise we'll be uh, right out in the great outdoors under those tents. I know it's hot, but the tents are amazingly refreshing. You'll be surprised. Um, so we'll see you there. And then we also encourage you, regardless of whether or not you can come at night, to actually pray and fast during the lunch hour. So the idea here is that we're calling our whole church community 
um, to have breakfast, have a, have a fantastic breakfast, and then actually fast if you're physically and medically able to do that during the lunch hour, spend that hour praying, uh, and then join us at 5.30 if you can, and then break the fast after that with, with dinner. So that's going to be this coming week. Each day has a different theme. You'll find that out when you come to our prayer gatherings. We also have prayer guides. They're sitting on the hospitality table. Next time we'll do booklets. This time we basically stapled a few pages together, but they're fantastic. Some folks on our staff did a great job putting this together. So you'll have a guide that you can go through each day during the lunch hour, and it'll help you understand what we're doing at night as well. So I would encourage you to pick that up on the hospitality table in the back, and I'll remind you at the end before you leave. Every month at City Church, you can expect us to do a spotlight on a number of things. Sometimes it'll be a testimony, sometimes it'll be a missions focus, sometimes it'll be community engagement. This is community engagement time, and to hear more about that, we're actually going to invite Tyler Jacobs to come up. Go ahead and give him a warm welcome. So typically, you would hear about maybe one ministry in the life of our church. Someone would share more about what's happening, but we wanted to do a little bit of a reset since it's a new year and tell you about everything that we're doing, kind of give you the 35,000-foot overview so you can kind of put some pieces together. Also, Tyler is a pastoral resident this year in the life of our church, which means he's going to be working for us full-time. He's already off to a great start, um, and we're really glad to have him. He's actually second year serving on our staff, and he is very much overheading, uh, spearheading, kind of overseeing uh, the community engagement efforts in the life of our church, which is why we're talking to Tyler. So Tyler, can you tell us more about what community engagement is? What do we mean by that, and how does it fit into the mission and vision of our church? Yeah, so um, you mentioned just a few minutes ago the vision for City Church being in downtown Gainesville is to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. So that essentially means that uh, we believe that when we believe the gospel, when we come to understand the love behind what Jesus did on the cross for us um, and become Christians, that that has an outflowing effect into how we love and serve our neighbor. And obviously that means for us in the context of being a city or a church in downtown is loving our city well. And so uh, community engagement is the formal part of our ministry or of our church that works on how do we do that practically? Like what does it look like to be a part of the renewal of the city, not just spiritually, because we care about preaching the gospel and talking about Jesus Mm -hmm. and the redemption that God is bringing in that sense, but also God's plan is to renew the world physically. Um, That's a huge part of the gospel as well. And so community engagement is the more formal part that works on what do we do after that. So what do we do? here at City Church. Tell us more about that, kind of the structure, the, the different areas that we're involved in, and in how, how, what did that look like last year, particularly because of the pandemic? It kind of it altered a lot of our rhythms. Right, right. So uh, the best way to look at it is there's three kind of main branches, I would say, for community engagement, and we have different initiatives for each one. So those three are mercy and justice initiatives. The second one are more art and culture initiatives. And then the third are more acts of service. So acts of service are more independent, uh, one-time things we might do for the community based on needs that come up. Uh, So within that, there are different partnerships and different initiatives that I mentioned. Mercy and Justice, uh, big ones, I guess to give a highlight, would be um, our mentoring at Aquin Jones, which is a local elementary school. Um, Actually, middle school. Oh, sorry, middle school and high school. And then, so local school right about like a few blocks Mm -hmm. down from downtown. Um, The homeless ministry that recently started up last year, which is a big highlight from this previous year, and then uh, sexual trafficking and exploitation. And we partner with Created of Gainesville, which is a local nonprofit 
um, and work, obviously, to meet that need and serve the city in that sense. So that's Mercy and Justice. And then Art and Culture, um, a good example of what we did this past year was we hosted a night of music for the city. So we had different local artists come out uh, and, in a sense, perform. And we got donations, and that ended up going to a local art nonprofit just right up downtown. So um, diff different initiatives throughout, different partnerships. Um, and usually, as needs arise, as we kind of survey where we're going as a church and kind of the giftings that we have, and we then step into those accordingly. What will things, Lord willing, look like this year? For example, Aquin Jones. Um, students at Aquin Jones, by the way, they're there because something happened at their zone school where they were um, kind of made to leave for a season of time. They end up at Aquin Jones, which is a county school. Um, and it's an incredible school, by the way. The staff there um, do remark. There's, there's been staff, there's staff that are there. Aquin Jones have been there for 30 years, just investing in students, um, which is incredible to consider. But this past year, because volunteers weren't allowed on campus at any school, we weren't really able to do in-person mentoring. So we shifted our focus toward kind of uh, staff morale, so doing um, like breakfasts and meals and gift bags to kind of keep people going during a very difficult year. That was last year. What does this year look like? What, maybe we start with Aquin Jones and then talk about these other initiatives that we have going. Sure, yeah, so Aquin Jones, hopefully the in-person mentoring may be more opening back up. So we hope to have a more formal initiative where people in our church can be involved in student mentoring there physically. Uh, but we still will probably be providing breakfasts, um, you know, goodie bags for the holidays for the teachers and staff that are there. Um, the other initiatives, so the homeless ministry, uh, that hopefully this year we just two months ago went out for our first time and did street outreach, which means we went and met people in our downtown area who potentially might be considered homeless or are panhandling and just got to know them, got out with food, uh, building relationships with them. So hopefully as that continues, we look to also partner with Grace Marketplace as the pandemic hopefully eases out and we can actually be in person. Um, so that hopefully is also starting back up in the next year. Um, and then I'd say too, looking for opportunities with art and culture. We used to do this event called Art Walk, uh, which was uh, an awesome event where people went throughout different places in downtown and mm -hmm. saw visual art. And we hosted that, we used the sanctuary space for that, but now it's been on hold for you know, about a year and a half because of COVID. So we're hoping that also picks back up and we can use the space again for yeah. it. And when Art Walk resumes, and we're hoping it does resume, I think right now they're shooting for October, either September, October. Um, we will need, assuming we have artists to show their work in this space, we'll need people to come up here and help curate that and do refreshments for the opening night and, and all of that. So there'll be opportunities to serve. Uh, Aquin Jones, the county just pulled all of its volunteers off of campus because of COVID again. Uh, so we're kind of in a holding pattern as far as being in person at Aquin Jones, but it's not too early by any means to indicate interest in going over there. Basically, if you can go over there, this would be, this, it's kind of a specific time, but it would usually be 2.30 um, on weekdays. So you have to find a 2.30 p.m. time one day during the week and kind of hit that time each week um, as much as you can for most of the year. We'll say more about that but that's just a heads up as far as what you can be expecting, uh, hopefully, in the near term. If people are interested in learning more about any of this, yes. how do they do that? Yeah, so I'd say two main ways to get involved in service in the church. One is actually, you mentioned community groups just a few minutes ago. Um, even starting there, a lot of CGs have, or they, you know, even with COVID, it's put on pause a little bit, but they do have service initiatives in their own area of town sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and so looking and just, if you're a part of a CG, or maybe you're not yet in a CG, um, eventually contacting a CG leader and saying, hey, like, what, what are we doing in some sense, or what did we do before the pandemic to serve our city? And then 
you know, potentially stepping into a service opportunity that way. Uh, if you're interested in anything I just listed in terms of mercy and justice, art and culture, maybe you really have you know, a big passion for art in the city or, or music and you want to serve in that way, or even just, hey, I have an act of service or I know someone in this office I work with that potentially could be in need. Um, the best way, I think, is to email us and just shoot us an email at info at citychurchgnv.com. Um, and you can also talk to me after the service as well if any of this sounds interesting to you. Uh, and then we can send you the kind of requisite information that you yep. might need to know to get involved. Yep. Put something on your connection card. That's a great way to do it as, as well. well. Yep. We will def we're very responsive. And we will, when you indicate interest, we will be in touch. And we emphasized these kind of acts of service this past year because so many things that we were doing were kind of on hold right. or modified that we wanted to be very agile as a church. So when things came up in the life of the downtown community, we wanted to be able to jump on them as quickly as possible. So even if that, if that does something in your head, indicate interest in that, and we will let you know when things come up so you can get involved and invested quickly. Mm -hmm. So, yep. cool. Let's thank Tyler. I'm gonna pray for Tyler. Let's, let's go ahead and thank him again for coming up here and being a part of this. Oh. Let me pray for Tyler. Um, Lord, this is, uh, beautiful work that we are hoping to do by your grace and by the power of the Spirit, but it's also difficult work, uh, especially right now. Uh, it can be confusing work, complicated work. Sometimes there's been, there's been seasons, especially the past year and a half, where it's been hard to know what to do and what is safe, uh, what is um, a reasonable amount of risk or not given COVID. So I, I pray for this infinite wisdom for Tyler and those involved with curating these community engagement opportunities. I pray that you would um, superintend everything that we're doing so that we put our energy and effort in exactly the right places. Show us what to do and then help us be obedient. And we pray for, as Tyler was saying, holistic transformation that not only would we meet people's needs physically and emotionally, but that, man, the power of God would be at work. People would encounter Jesus and put their hope in him. Um, we love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, buddy. The scripture passage this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Beginning a, a new, actually just three-week series that I will say more about in just a second. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Scripture passage will be up here on the screen. If you have a Bible, we would also encourage you to pull that out and follow along with us. Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is God's word. Let me read it for us. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, what a portrait that is. Let's pray together. 
Lord, when we read this passage, I think we can't help but being amazed, stunned even. And so we would ask that this would not be something that's relegated to the past, that you would do that kind of work in our lives today. And I pray that you would give us insight into your word as we consider it this morning so that your spirit might move and do this exact kind of thing um, at City Church and all other faithful churches here in Gainesville and honestly in our world. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our goal these next three weeks at City Church is to take a very fresh look at our vision statement, what we mean when we say that we aspire to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. That city is, of course, Gainesville, Florida. And for those of you who haven't heard this, it turns out that Gainesville is actually the greatest city in the world. We try to be modest about this designation, but modesty is difficult in the context of preeminence. City Church is, of course, in downtown Gainesville. Hopefully you noticed that on your way in this morning. And yes, we are right next to a nightclub. If I had a dollar for every time somebody mentioned that, I would be a rich man. I'd be a rich man. Oh, you guys, you guys are right next to the club? You know, God, God bless you guys for that work you're doing down there. I appreciate the word of encouragement, but there really is more to downtown than that club, I promise. There are actually lots of clubs, <laughs> but seriously, downtown has more to it than the clubs. By the way, before we moved into our current building, we briefly shared a downtown event space with a nightclub called Sin, S-Y-N, which was really something. <laughs> a cosmic battle was literally unfolding every weekend at 6 West University Avenue. Back to the matter at hand. We're taking a fresh look at our three-part vision statement, which is something that we do periodically. But in the almost nine-year history of our church, this refresh has never felt, at least to me, to be more urgent than it is right now. Number one, this COVID era has been disruptive and isolating, affecting the rhythms of our own church family, as well as really every church in the world. Number two, there's an enormous amount of social skepticism right now about the value and the trustworthiness of institutions, including churches. And then number three, some of the terms in our vision statement have taken on a life of their own in popular discourse, and now they mean things to many people that we did not mean when we originally penned our statement. This is especially true for the terms authentic and community, which we are looking at this morning. So now would be a really, really good time for us to clarify what it is that we are hoping to be and to do as a church family and why all of that is important. I will warn you right now that this three-week series is not for the faint of heart. The ideas we're about to discover are largely countercultural and self-effacing, but they are also rich and beautiful and ultimately a fountain of deeply-seated joy that glorifies God and blesses other people. So let's get rolling, beginning this morning, as I just mentioned, with our 
aspiration to be an authentic community. We'll consider that aspiration in two stages. Number one, the power for authentic community. And then number two, the profile of authentic community. We'll start with the first, the power for authentic community. One of the uh, peculiarities about Christianity is this. We do not believe that we have the internal resources necessary to faithfully live the way God has called us to live. We don't. We need external help, thus the aspirational language that you find in the way we articulate our vision statement. As a church community, we can posture ourselves toward authentic community, but only God himself can really get us there and give us that authentic community that we long for. In a few moments, we'll get to our main passage at the end of Acts chapter 2, but for now we need to back up and we need to consider the narrative that precedes this passage. In Acts chapter 1, we encounter the recently resurrected Jesus presenting himself to his disciples and preparing them for his departure, specifically his ascension into the presence of God the Father. These disciples were to become Jesus's witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this witnessing involved passing along everything they had seen and learned about Jesus, as well as his message that people should repent and believe in what Jesus called the gospel of God. But here is the big old catch. Jesus made it very clear that the disciples shouldn't even think about moving forward with this mission until the Holy Spirit came upon them in great power. You can see that in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. They had had no chance out there without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit we're talking about here is the third person of the Trinity, fully God, and this is really important, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. The Father had previously promised to pour out the Spirit upon his people. And you can read about this all over the place in the Old Testament prophetic books, particularly Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Joel. And together with the Father, Jesus had made it clear to his disciples that he was sending them the Holy Spirit, John chapter 16. The good news is that these disciples did not have to wait long for The Spirit, on Pentecost, not many days after Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit came upon them in great power, a supernatural event described like this in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that house in Jerusalem contained far more than just the so-called 12 disciples, one of which had been replaced. About 120 of the earliest Jesus followers were gathered there, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then pretty much immediately, as you can see, they were off to the missional races. They were filled, and then time for the mission. Some folks living in Jerusalem, 
who observed the Pentecostal transformation that was happening to these followers of Jesus, they began to mock them, and you can see this in chapter 2, verse 13, saying, they are filled with new wine. Look at these guys. They are, they're drunks. What is wrong with them? And so Peter, as in one of Jesus' three closest disciples, stood up and he said, well, I have a little something to say in response to your critiques. And then he proceeded to give a legendary sermon that also happens to be the first sermon that we have on record in the history of the early church, and you can read all about it in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. Clearly, this was a Holy Spirit-empowered sermon. The boldness with which Peter was preaching, his ability to rightly interpret the Hebrew Scriptures in light of Jesus, people getting cut to the heart, that is Holy Spirit stuff right there. That does not happen unless the Holy Spirit is at work. Peter was doing the talking, but ultimately the Lord was speaking through Peter by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. But here's the thing. This is not where the Holy Spirit activity ends in Acts chapter 2. Believe it or not, the Spirit continued to work among these early believers, influencing the rhythms of community life that we find described in verses 42 through 47. And this isn't just implied. We can see very obvious signs of the Spirit's work in this passage when we look for them. If you look at verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That is the Holy Spirit. Verse 47, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they were having basically a revival. That's the Holy Spirit. Way too often... I see this passage discussed as if the Spirit worked in Peter while he was preaching, but then the Spirit apparently took a warm shower and a nap in verses 42 through 47. Too often I see this passage used like a glorified list of to-dos for spiritually mature Christians. And that is a tragic mistake, because pursuing Acts 2 community without the power of the Spirit, is like toasting your bread in a toaster oven that is not plugged into the wall. You can put the slices on the little rack. You can, you can even wind up the timer. Did you know this? In a lot of toasters, you can actually wind up the timer even when it's not plugged in, and it will tick. It will sound like it's on, but it's not actually on. You can do all of that, but whatever you pull out of that oven when the timer goes off will not be toast. You'll get this combination of the, the bread slices with the very sketchy remnants of whatever was in there previously. Human-powered pursuits of Acts 2 community are exactly like that. You might have respectable intentions and even some of the right instructions and the right ingredients, but without the Spirit, you will end up with the distortion of the miraculous community the early church experienced in this passage. Church, at this point, I want us to be simultaneously very encouraged and big-time challenged. Here's the encouraging part. The Holy Spirit lives in every follower of Jesus. As the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, when we believe in Jesus, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So we've got what we need followers of Jesus, to experience the culture of community that the early church was experiencing here in Acts chapter 2. We have what we need to see this. 
That is a spectacular consideration. I mean, something like this could really happen among us. And here's the challenging part. Later in the same letter, and you can see this in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul exhorts us to be filled with the Holy Spirit who lives within us. That's interesting. In other words, just because you have an outlet and a cord, don't assume it's plugged in. Don't assume you're receiving power. You didn't know toasters could preach like this, but I'm, I'm laying into it this morning. By the way, in case anybody needs a toaster, we have an extra toaster at our house that we're not using. I know that someone will be blessed by that toaster after this service. So how do we become a spirit-filled people? We don't just want to have the spirit living in us. We want to be a spirit-filled people. How do we harness the power of the spirit for the sake of of establishing the kind of culture that these early believers experienced. Three things. Number one, ask your Heavenly Father for help. I mean, if there is one thing that God the Father wants us to do, well, sorry, wants to do in us, it is to nourish His children with Holy Spirit-infused wisdom and strength and conviction and belief. He definitely wants to do all of that. Consider, by the way, Jesus' revelation to his disciples in Luke chapter 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for it? The problem is, I'm honestly not sure how often we ask for this when we pray. When was the last time you said, God, fill me with your Spirit? You know, maybe we confess our sins. Maybe we ask for some immediate needs. Maybe we pray for people who are experiencing hard times. That's all wonderful. Those are wonderful things. But do we actually plead with God to fill us with the spirit that lives within us? Number two, we renounce hurried, restless living that keeps us from paying attention to the ways in which the Holy Spirit might be moving in us and prompting us. Busyness is often a badge of honor, including among followers of Jesus. But when we overload our schedules, we end up creating so much noise in the system and cutting away so much margin that we effectively decommission our spiritual radars. The Spirit could be yelling at us, and we wouldn't hear it. Number three. And it'd be Spirit-filled. Number three. Now that you've renounced, which I know you all just did right then, Hurried living, now that you've done that, and therefore have a lot more margin in your life, show up to opportunities for personal and corporate worship. Now, all of our lives are worship in the sense of worship here is mainly uh, spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines in that very narrow sense. Crack open that Bible every morning and keep reading until God moves you. And then participate with other believers in searching the scriptures and then participate with other believers in singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Worship is a conduit for spirit-filling activity. So get in the game and watch them work. And when you know it, these early Christians, these early believers were doing exactly these things. Acts 2.42, this is what it says, Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Certainly there was a cyclical element to these rhythms. On one hand, spirit-filledness was prompting them 
to do this in community, but on the other hand, the rhythms were conduits for even more spirit-filledness. And it goes in a circle. Some of you are like, Bill, I know you appreciate it, but some of you are like, man, I didn't know this was going to be a sermon about the Holy Spirit. You said, I thought this was going to be about community. You said, this is false advertising. I came in here thinking we're talking about community, but so far all we've talked about is the Holy Spirit. And actually, I didn't even know that either until I started working on the message, but one thing led to another, and here we are, which turns out for the best, because there is no way that we can talk about a refresh here at City Church without talking about the Holy Spirit. You do not want me preaching up here on Sunday mornings unless I am being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We do not want community unless it's Holy Spirit-powered community. We don't want evangelism unless it's Holy Spirit-powered evangelism. We don't want to be serving and being invested in global missions unless that's all being empowered by the Holy Spirit. All of it. Otherwise, our ministry here in Gainesville will either be lame or toxic. That's what happens if you pursue stuff without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's either boring as all get out, or it's toxic. And if the past 20 months haven't made us keenly aware of our dependence upon the Holy Spirit, I don't know what to tell you. Now, we actually are going to spend a few moments talking about community, as fate would have it. And here's what we want to know. When we pursue spirit-filledness in the ways that we've been talking about, what kind of community should we expect? That brings us to the second stage of our time this morning, the profile of authentic community. So here's the thing. We are not living in first century Jerusalem. I think you were aware of that. We are not living in first century Jerusalem, so our community life will not look exactly like the community life of these early believers. And verses 42 through 47 are not, to be, not meant to be exactly prescriptive in that way. However, there are principles of community life in this passage that are confirmed elsewhere in Scripture, so our desire is to gather those principles and then apply them to our context. That's what we're doing. Principle number one. Authentic community involves studying God's word together, personally, but also together. Apostles' teaching there, as you can see in verse 42, Acts 2.42, refers to teaching from Jesus that he was passing along to his disciples during his ministry and then during his post-resurrection appearances, the kind of teaching that we now have recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in devoting themselves to this teaching, we know that the early believers were studying it regularly and intensively, all the time, and marinating in it. They weren't checking a box on the reading calendar. Notice that this is actually the first thing mentioned about this community, which I think suggests its central importance. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the German Christian who famously stood up to the Nazi regime and was killed for it, he wrote a masterful book about Christian community called Life Together. And in that book, he is adamant that the main point of Christian community is to proclaim Christ to one another through his word. Don't worry, we will have a lot more to say about that later. 
Principle number two, authentic community involves prayer. This included private and communal prayers, although particularly the latter in this case. The prayers in verse 42 indicates that some of these prayers were probably formal prayers being done in the temple, and some of the prayers were being done in their homes over meals, etc. And verse 46 seems to confirm this. Formal prayers, informal prayers, all of the time. The main point is that they were praying together a lot. That's the principle. Principle number three, authentic community involves sharing meals together. As you can see in verse 42 and in verse 46, community life involved sharing meals together throughout the week, the Lord's Supper probably being part of this, both for the sake of spending meaningful time together and for caring for people that might have had less than others and been in need. And by the way, one of the primary ways that Jesus built relationships with people and cared for them was by having meals with them, a rhythm that really stands out in the book of Luke. So there's clearly something about eating meals together as a people of God that transcends time and culture. Principle number four. Authentic community involves radical generosity. Part of that generosity involved the meal hospitality we just discussed. And in fact, verse 46 talks about these believers sharing their meals together with glad and generous hearts. But it also meant, and you see this in verses 44 and 45, that these believers, they held on so loosely to their stuff and to their time that they were actually willing to sell their stuff when necessary in order to distribute the proceeds to those who are in need. So people own stuff. There's nothing sinful about that, per se. But they regularly and joyfully parted with that stuff to sacrificially serve one another. And did they take pictures of all of this to post on Instagram and compliment themselves? No. And I hate that we even have to talk about that. Look at verse 47. This culture of generosity coalesced in praising God together, not man. They were encouraged in the Lord, so they praised the Lord. So, so a summary, what are, what are we doing here in authentic community? We are, doing, we are studying God's word. We are praying a lot. We're doing meals and hospitality, and then we're, we're being remarkably generous. That's authentic community. Those are the principles of authentic community as it's spelled out in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Now it's time for some dot connecting, and this is when the preaching starts. All of that was an intro. We already talked about the cyclical nature of meditating on God's word. The Spirit works through that meditation to fill us, to conduit for spirit-filledness, and as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll want to read even more of it personally and in community, and then we get even more spirit-filledness. And now I want to add this. As we read it personally and corporately, here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit will help us understand what we are reading. The Holy Spirit will unlock the passage. And what will the Spirit help us understand? 
what will the Spirit unlock? To put it very broadly here, the Spirit will help us understand both the size of our sin and the size of the cross of Jesus Christ. The Spirit will help us understand both the horror of our sin and the grandeur of Jesus' saving works. And in so doing, to quote the Apostle Paul yet again in Ephesians chapter 3, the Spirit will, and I quote, help us grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Another way of saying it is this. The Spirit takes all the head knowledge and translates it into heart knowledge. And that heart knowledge, here's the dot connecting, will manifest itself in glorious praise of our Lord, as well as an other-oriented generosity in the context of Christian community. It will do that. When God's sacrificial, gracious generosity registers in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we live with sacrificial, gracious generosity. Here in Gainesville, this is a season for finding a church. You know, since many people are just now arriving in town for the beginning of the fall academic semester, or people weren't really going anywhere this past year because of the pandemic, you get the point. As people are doing this searching, a lot of them will say that they are looking for a church with solid, orthodox doctrine. You know, that, that believes in the, the died and resurrected Jesus as a substitutionary atonement for our sins and so forth and so on. Amen. Praise God. And that is what we believe here at City Church. Having our theological ducks in a row is critically important if we want to rightly worship God. So pursue that zealously. Yes and amen. But the pastor and the theologian Francis Schaeffer emphasized that there are really two orthodoxies. The orthodoxy of doctrine and the orthodoxy of community, or you might say, practice. So when we look for a church family, we're not just looking for a statement of faith. We're wanting to know something about how a particular church community is living. We want to know the culture and City Church know this, unless our doctrine shows up in our practice, in our community life, we are not an orthodox church. It doesn't matter how correct our beliefs are unless they show up in community and corporate practice. So as we've been saying, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Do you see why we need the Holy Spirit? I mean, desperately need the Holy Spirit? You can get doctrine without community on your own. You'll need a Holy Spirit for that. Though, the doctrine will probably be pretty self-righteous and cold-hearted and frankly unappealing to those who don't know Jesus. You can also get community without doctrine on your own, without the Holy Spirit. However, 
it will be a relatively contrived community where folks are mainly looking out for their own needs. It will be a very consumeristic community and therefore probably homogenous according to age and stage and affinity and ethnicity and so forth. And the kind of authenticity that we get in that community without the Holy Spirit will not look like biblical community. It'll be contemporary community where we have a meeting with ourselves, we decide what our true selves are, and then we present that to everybody looking for affirmation. Biblical authenticity is pretty much the opposite. It involves taking our true selves before God's word in community with other believers and saying, can you take a look at this, what matches up or does not match up with Scripture, and then inviting the Holy Spirit to conform us by the grace of God into the likeness of Jesus Christ. But if we want doctrine and the culture, we need the Spirit. He is the only one who traffics in both. You can have doctrine without the community by yourself. You can have some kind of community without the doctrine by yourself. If you want the doctrine with the community, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And then when the Holy Spirit gives these things to us, it'll look something like this. This is what I think it'll look like. And I would invite you to use your imagination biblically with me beyond this time. Okay? So, so leave here and then keep thinking about this together in community. When the Holy Spirit gives both of these things, doctrine and community, it looks something like this. It looks like scripture and prayer outside of formal gatherings. So, so like not just on Sundays and not just in community groups, like you are actually calling one another and texting one another and saying, why don't you come and watch this show, but we'd spend 30 minutes seeking the Lord together in scripture and in prayer. I know that sounds foreign, but it shouldn't. It means that when we have formal gatherings, this is what it'll look like if the Holy Spirit is at work. It means when we do have formal gatherings, we're zealous to serve instead of merely benefiting personally. It means showing up even when we don't feel like it, even when we feel like we don't need it. It means signing up to serve, I think, on ministry teams. It means being willing to set aside time after a service to chat with that person you think is a bit socially awkward rather than just beelining it to all of your friends. It means giving a widowed senior a ride to church, even if it means being 15 minutes late and you don't get your favorite seat. And here's what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit gives us both of these things, the doctrinal fidelity and the Holy Spirit power community. Here's what I think is going to happen. Not only is he going to do a, a mighty work in us to grow us and to conform us more to the likeness of Christ, I think we're going to experience revival. I do. I really do. I think that people in our city, in downtown community, are going to see what's going on here, and they're going to repent of their sin, which basically sin is just satisfying yourself in something other than God. They're going to they're gonna repent of their sin, and they're going to put their hope in Jesus. I actually think that's what's going to happen. I don't know when. I don't know to what degree. But I think that the Lord will end up adding to our number. 
day by day those who are being saved, and then we will go out into that parking lot where the white tents are that I've already mentioned 15 times to you this morning, and we will baptize people regularly. You will, you will actually put time on your Google Calendar for baptism and just put that on repeat because you're assuming that we're going to have another baptism. I think that's the kind of stuff that can happen. Lord, may it be so, and I really hope that you will join me tomorrow night at those tents, and let's, let's get going. Let's pray and see what God will do. Amen. Every week at City Church, we participate in the Lord's Supper together. It's an opportunity for the people of God to gather and remember Christ broken and shed for us. Christ died and buried and raised. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples, and during the meal, he took the bread, and as he broke it, he said, this is my body given for you, broken for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. And in a similar manner, after the meal, Jesus took the cup. As he poured it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it remembrance of me. So often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, the Apostle Paul says we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again, because we're certain that his death was not permanent, that he rose again, and he will return. And notice the, the, the we language here. We are doing this together in community. Communion is itself a profoundly corporate act. And we expect not only just to remember, but we actually expect that the Holy Spirit will show up as we participate in this meal and strengthen us, nourish us, call out sin where it needs to be called out, that we can confess it even on the spot and freshly enjoy the grace of God in Christ. This is a meal for followers of Jesus, people who are sinful but understand their need for a Savior. If that describes you, I would encourage you to come participate in this meal. We'll have a, a deacon and elder on either side of this table with a um, basket of communion uh, packets, and they'll just, you can approach when you're ready, and then uh, they'll drop it in your hand. Uh, there's also a basket of them, I think. Mm, yep, on the hospitality table in the back. You can come over there if you'd prefer to just to go on your own and then pick one up from there as well. So I'm going to pray, and then there'll be some space for reflection and music. Um, and then you're welcome at any point to come up and receive these elements and eat and drink when you receive them. Let's pray. Lord, may we celebrate afresh this morning, this communal invitation to approach your table with joy. It's surely by grace that we can even do this. And I do pray that as we were talking about the Spirit would remind us of both the magnitude of our sin and the magnitude of the cross. I do pray that if there is some, some stuff kind of sitting in our hearts, not great stuff, that needs to be identified and dealt with, that you would show it to us so that we can own it, bring it to the light, Enjoy your forgiveness. We love you, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Shattered pieces, frayed and torn, scattered people. A house divided, a love forlorn, body breaking. And know us by our love, and know us by our love. What will become of us before we? one a new humanity jesus send your love let division cease spirit grant us peace blessed trinity make us one like you are one barren wasteland burning gold we are a graveyard we are the darkness you're a thousand stars a wrecking ball for our wounded walls and know us by our love and know us by our love what will become of us before we want his blood father make us one a new humanity jesus send your love let division cease spirit grant us peace blessed trinity make us one like you are make us one like you
Would you stand with us? Let's keep singing. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry And from the waters lifted me, now safe am I Love lifted me, love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saves, and he will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He your savior wants to be, be saved. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me One more time Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Oh, love lifted me Love lifted me when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Thank you all for joining us for worship this morning. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors, and it's great to get together with all of you. Um, a quick reminder, if you didn't uh, fill out a connection card yet, we'd love for you to do that, and you can drop it in the box on your way out or slip it in the pocket in the seat in front of you. Our benediction this morning comes from the end of the book of Romans. Uh, Paul writes, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.
Oh, sweet and tender Jesus.